Good morning, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, September 6, 2015. My name is Leah, and I'm your moderator. The share ID for Friday, September 4th, is 7972. That's 7972. This morning, A Vision for You presents Beyond My Wildest Dreams. The 12 steps, as outlined in the big book, represent a process resulting in a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from compulsive overeating. We submit to a simple process that is not easy, yet takes us to a place we've never been. We didn't even know it existed. We are taken from the dark, shadowy world of addiction to the light of recovery. We are changed in the way we think, feel, and behave. We are able to do things we could never do before. We are able to live and get along with our fellow human beings. We're able to deal with them open and honestly as equals without resentment, fear, guilt, or remorse. We are able to be useful and to live our lives with serenity and peace of mind instead of restlessness, irritation, or discontent. As a result of the 12 steps and our higher power, we have a way of deep and lasting personal transformation. Joining us this morning is Rebecca F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Rebecca is here to tell her personal story of transformation, what she was like, what happened, and what she's like now. Welcome to you, Rebecca. Star one to unmute, Rebecca. Can you hear me now? We sure can. Oh, what a difference. Thank you, Leah. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Welcome. <laughs> Okay, I get a second chance to start. It's Rebecca S. from Connecticut, a compulsive overeater. Grateful to be on the line this morning with everyone from A Vision for You and for the opportunity to tell my story of transformation, which I uh, dubbed Beyond My Wildest Dreams when Leah asked me for a title. And um, I'm sorry, I'm embarrassed to admit that I forgot that that was basically the name of Roseanne's book when I suggested it and um, whatever. Um, that is how I feel, that I'm living a life beyond my wildest dreams. And um, I've said the third step prayer numerous times this morning as I do numerous times throughout my day, any day, but more so today. And uh, the fear prayer too, um, among others, because... I am a little nervous and I don't want to sound too uh, canned and I also don't want to take up too much of your time and I want to uh, do God's will this morning and hopefully what you know I'm guessing that what you'll get out of this is that um, God does take away my difficulties and it isn't for my own benefit it's so that all of you who might still be suffering can bear witness to that and um, want some of it for yourself, some of God's power, love, and 
and his way of life for you as I wanted for myself and has have been granted. Um, I also want to tell you that I don't think much of coincidences anymore. I call everything God incidences now. And um, this past Monday, I celebrated four years of back-to-back abstinence, and it coincides with Leah asking me to speak. And I just feel that that makes it that much more special and meaningful. And I also want to point out that um, by stepping up to the plate and agreeing to speak, which um, I have a tendency to resist pretty much everything and then by the grace of God agree to do it anyway, and I'm always glad that I did. Um, A number of things have gotten cleaned up since um, the invitation and this morning, and so I, I testify to you that when we agree to do service, um, all sorts of wonderful things happen in the process. And um, I think I'll probably be telling you about some of those as I go along. So um, we're asked to tell in our story of transformation. And, you know, I almost question transformation. You know, that sounds kind of big. But you know what? It's true. I have undergone a transformation, and it is big. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about what it was like for me or maybe a lot of that and what happened and what it's like now. So to get started, um, what it was like, I was um, a roly-poly kid uh, growing up in uh, suburban America, and uh, I hated to walk to school, and I didn't like to go outside and play. I I was a product of the 60s. I wore dresses to school, and I didn't like to change out of dresses into play clothes after school. I'd stay home and watch soap operas with my mother while she ironed, and um, we baked like Betty Crocker. Um, We had uh, birthday parties that included homemade cakes, peanut hunts, and I don't know how many of you can relate to this, but um, the spanking machine was part of uh, our birthday parties, which was the ultimate in humiliation. Um, And when I was in fourth grade, I um, made friends, really close friends with someone whose um, pantry and refrigerator was completely available to me without even having to ask permission. And their house was just loaded with junk food. And... uh, there were no holds barred. I could, I spent, I practically moved in there and just could eat whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. And it was um, a haven for me because my family was dysfunctional. Her family probably was too, but I didn't notice. I just noticed the food. And uh, uh, clothes shopping, clothes in general were just a bad situation for me because of my weight. Um, Uh, my mom started making me dresses for school when I was probably in second grade because um, the clothes in the stores didn't fit over my big stomach. And um, she had this pattern with an empire waist and a big pleat down the front that worked for me. And um, when it came to buying bathing suits, I remember one year 
we had to buy my bathing suit in the women's department and it cost, I don't know, something like $70 or something. It was more than my mother ever spent on a bathing suit for herself in her life. And she was pretty mortified and so so was I, but um, she was just, you know, exasperated, whatever it takes kind of a thing. Um, Gym class was uh, the bane of my existence in school. We had these um, gym suits that had, uh, they were blue and cotton and they had snaps up the front. They looked like bloomers and they had tight waistbands and they didn't, it didn't fit me. Um, I was the worst athlete, you know, I wasn't an athlete. I was the worst in the class. I was the last one picked for a team. I couldn't run the 600 yard run. Um, field day was my worst nightmare. And um, by the time I got to middle school, um, I turned into the class clown. And that's how I dealt with my uh, feelings about myself or tried to fit in. Um, the whole growing up time in my household, um, I tried to control the amount I ate at various times with no success. I was raised on a Hawaiian punch at probably two or three meals a day, pretty much every day. Um, There was dessert at every meal. And at the same time, my parents shamed me and bribed me and uh, hid treats that I'd have to climb up on high cabinets to find. And I remember my mom took me to Weight Watchers when I was probably 11 or 12. Um, The next decade, my teen years, uh, basically, if you know the show, that 70s show, that was the story of my life. Um, It was an era of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And um, I was living large. So um, I liken myself to, if you know the character in that 70s show she was a peripheral character her name was big Rhonda, and uh, her tagline was i may not be popular but if given the chance i'll put out something fierce and um that was me i was pretty desperate i was um, um unhappy with my appearance and um uh just had the munchies for all my teenage years and even young adult years. Um, I managed to avoid the last two years of traditional public school and go to an alternative school that I call a hippie high school. And uh, I had a ball um, and pretty much did whatever I wanted to. And I partied my way through college and um <clears throat> I married an alcoholic and we had two children. And when I was pregnant with the second child, I went to Narcotics Anonymous uh, to give up smoking pot while I was pregnant. I didn't work the steps, but I did give up pot. And uh, by the grace of God, that stuck. Um, After that, I was almost ready to deliver that second child, and I joined Al-Anon because now I couldn't really deal with my husband's uh, 
alcoholism. And um, again, I did not work the steps, but um, I gave up my husband. Um, I waited the year that they recommended, and uh, we got divorced. And um, a few years later, he got sober in AA. And we somehow, it wasn't planned this way, but a year to the date of his sobriety, um, he brings the kids home from a weekend visit and we're having a power outage and uh, we have to go get the candles and the house is all lit with candles and he helps me get the kids to bed and um, uh, romance ensued and we wound up remarrying each other. And uh, I consider that, again, the grace of God. Um, So all this time, I'm still um, consumed with food and weight. And I go up and down as I try different diets. And um, every time I always put on more than I've lost. And um, as time goes on, um, well, I can just tell you, I tried diets, I tried hypnosis, exercise, self-help books, counseling. Um, I even checked out OA at one point, and I just didn't get it, and it didn't stick. So um, my blood sugar is starting to go up and the doctor's telling me I'm borderline diabetic and my cholesterol is going up and um, just moving about, standing up and sitting down is an effort. And I'm up to 185 pounds. I weigh, I'm five feet four and um, I'm almost 57 now. Um, I mean, currently I'm 57. At that time, I was early 50s. Um, Figuring out what to wear was always a chore. Nothing ever looked good. Uh, Clothes shopping continued to be a painful experience and uh, looking at photos of myself, too. And uh, my identity was always about food. Um, It was always about being the perfect food provider. I cooked everything from scratch. I baked homemade rolls. Um, I had the latest kitchen gadgets for producing the best kinds of food. And um, and my classic story of how consumed I was with food was that um, one year I baked um, – Oh, I can't even imagine how many pounds of mandel bread, which is a Jewish biscotti, and uh, did it in the name of having my kids give all these packages of mandel bread to their teachers for Christmas. And each loaf of mandel bread has two ends that are not suitable for um, gift packaging, and I ate them all, and then some. And we have a freezer in the basement, and I just kept loading up the freezer with mandel bread, and there was just plenty for me to have as much as I wanted to whenever I wanted to for the months leading up to Christmas. And then the day came when my poor kids had to lug these shopping bags of um, mandel bread to school. It was I feel so bad for them that I put them in that position. Um, but that was just how uh, crazy I was about um, food 
and particularly my binge foods. Um, so anyway, I think that's sufficient to give you an idea of what my life was like. It was uh, all about the food. And um, what happened was that um, I was having success with yet a, another diet. And I was trying to uh, limit the amount of a binge food that I was eating, and I couldn't do it. I And I said to myself, well, why am I having more of this when I told myself I was just going to have this little amount? And the light bulb went on, and I realized I was powerless over these. They were these tiny little chocolates that weren't even mine. And, um, and I realized, oh, I'm powerless over this food. And Maybe my life is unmanageable, and I went over to the computer, and I looked up OA, and um, I found that there was a meeting that night, uh, the next town over, and then I couldn't wait, so I looked for something more immediate, and I discovered there were online meetings, and there was one starting in 45 minutes, so I got onto that meeting, and um, someone in that meeting recommended a phone meeting um, that was a big book meeting, very much like the one we're on right now. And um, I jotted down the number, and it was the next morning at 7 o'clock. And so um, I went to the face-to-face meeting that night, and I didn't have a clue of what was going on, but at least I was there. And the next morning, I dialed into the phone meeting, and um, I just kept dialing in every morning because I was intrigued. And um, the second face-to-face meeting a week later, there was a speaker, it was a speaker's meeting that night, and the speaker was from Boston. She had, like, really awesome recovery, and she said she hadn't had sugar in 23 years. And I just couldn't even wrap my brain around the idea of not having sugar. It was the farthest thing from my mind. It had never occurred to me to eliminate it altogether. And I even talked to the speaker after the meeting, and I kind of, like, looked at her like she had two heads. But from that night on, I stopped eating sugar. And um, who knew? You know, it just one day at a time, I figured, well, if I didn't do it today. I'll try it again the next day, and I kept not eating sugar. And um, my life started to get better. So uh, in the meantime, I I worked with one sponsor, a local sponsor for a while, and then another local sponsor for a while. And uh, they didn't really understand the big book. And I don't, they weren't even abstinent. I don't think either of them were. Um, And all the while that I'm working with them, I'm hearing on my phone meeting that, you know, in order to sponsor, you have to have food down and you have to be recovered. And uh, these people weren't, they were wonderful, they are wonderful people, and they helped me so, so much, and it was just what I needed at the time, but it wasn't um, uh, according to the big book. So, um, the other thing is that I was using the same um, diet that I've been using before as a food plan, and I was actually sitting with a friend at an ice cream shop. She was having a Sunday, and I was having a cup of coffee, and I was telling her how 
I don't think this diet is really working for me as a food plan. And she said, oh, I know this great nutritionist you should go to. And I'm like, really? That's what OA recommends, going to a nutritionist. And I've been um, resistant, like I am to pretty much everything at first. And she said, oh, go. The first visit is free. So I went, and it was the greatest thing. Again, uh, the grace of God sent me to this nutritionist through this person who's a non-program person eating a hot fudge Sunday. And uh, I went to the nutritionist once a week for four months and wrote down everything I ate following her food plan. And um, she taught me about nutrition. And uh, believe it or not, it wasn't really that expensive. It was the best investment I ever made in my life. And, uh, I don't know why it was so affordable. I just, again, the grace of God. And um, so now I have this food plan, and I'm still not 100% abstinent, but I'm doing quite well. And um, my phone meeting has a retreat, a weekend retreat, and it happens to be within two hours driving distance of my home. So I go. And believe me, if it had been anywhere where I had to get on a plane, there's no way I would have gone. Um, I'm just not that committed. I'm, like I said, I tend to resist. But how could I avoid this thing that was happening basically in my backyard? So I go to this retreat, and it's awesome. I meet many of you who are on the line now probably. And um, I get a sponsor. And... This, and she's recovered, and she's going to sponsor me according to the big book. And um, she tells me, oh, you don't have to weigh and measure. Now, I've been weighing and measuring my food, but there was a lot of um, resentment <laughs> that went along with it. And uh, the minute she told me I didn't have to, I kept doing it. But the um, resentment was gone, and all of a sudden I loved weighing and measuring my food. <laughs> so that was a transformation for me. And um, while I was working with her, I still wasn't 100% abstinent at first. And we're working step one, and um, I have what I consider to be a spiritual experience um, while I'm studying the doctor's opinion and Bill's story with her. I liken it to um, the magic eye um, puzzles things that used to be in the funny papers where you see a pattern and there's an embedded picture in the pattern and you can't see it until somehow you stare at it just the right way and all of a sudden you can see there's like charging horses in the background that you can't see to the naked eye, but they're there. And um, and the other, uh, and meaning that all of a sudden something clicked and I got it. And instead of being on the outside looking in, I was there. I was in the big book. I was Bill. I was, I just, all of a sudden, it it just washed over me, and I got it. And um, and the other thing I liken it to is Helen Keller and uh, her teachers writing in her hands, you know, with sign language, W-A-T-E-R, as they're pumping the water. And she doesn't get it. She doesn't get it. And then all of a sudden, the light bulb goes on, and she gets that those five hand signals mean water, and it changes her life. And that's what happened for me. 
And um, I became willing. I finally got, oh, you mean I really have to be 100% abstinent all the time? You know, like I finally got it. Um, No playing around with the food anymore. You know, identify all my binge foods, put them all down. It's not just sugar. It's, It's a variety of things that I agree I can't eat, you know, that I have no problem giving up because I want what my sponsor has more than any food, any taste, any amount of food in the world. I want what she has, and I'm willing to do whatever she did and just trust and rely and depend on God as he speaks through her because she knows and I don't, and I want to know. So um, that's what happened for me. And from there, I worked those 12 steps as if my life depended on it. With her help and the grace of God and all of you in the program feeding me everything I needed to know um, on these lines. Um, and, uh, and I started sponsoring um, after I was recovered, and um, I went to the second retreat that that phone meeting offered, which this time did require an airplane ride, and I was there. And um, after that, uh, this Vision for You meeting started, and um, my first 10th step was about transitioning from the old meeting to this meeting. Um, and my sponsor had to keep making me go back. No, that's not it. That's not it. And finally, I got it. And uh, what I learned from that first 10th step was um, that I uh, had a false core belief that I was only as good as my word. And I had, I was a reader on that other meeting. And and. It wasn't just for a month. It was like for eternity, I think. And um, I thought I couldn't leave because I was only as good as my word. And my sponsor said to me, you mean you can never change your mind? And I'm like, oh, I can change my mind. And I changed my mind. And I came to a vision for you. And um and I'm so glad I did and have furthered my recovery now in this meeting and look forward to going to this upcoming retreat in October and meeting all of you again and those I haven't met before. Um, so um, on this meeting, uh, I became a reader and a moderator and um, try to be of service wherever I can and believe me with each time I step up to the plate there's a little resistance but I do it anyway and I am so grateful I I encourage you all if you have resistance to um, doing service or volunteering or accepting invitations to do things just do it anyway because I'm telling you, all these things are what have rocketed me into this fourth dimension um, and to live a life beyond my wildest dreams. It's just one thing after another gets laid in my path 
for me to just accept uh, all God's grace and um, and my life just keeps getting better and better. So um, so this this week, what I've been talking about right now is what happened, and uh, along with it, I just want to mention that um, I was involved with a fellow in starting a new meeting in town. And it's a big book meeting, and that fellow has dropped away, at least from that meeting anyway. And um, and so again, what do I know about starting a meeting? But somehow God enabled me and this other person to make it happen, and it goes on today. And and we have a big book meeting in my town, and you know, slowly but surely, you know, it's it's sustaining and maybe growing a little, and. Um, that gives me um, a lot more hope that um, people in my town are starting to get the message. And um, I also had uh, someone, I was resistant to committing to doing an 11th step every night and having an 11th step buddy, but someone called me out of the blue who I did not know and asked me if I would take her 11th step, uh, her nightly reviews. And I said, well, if you're going to do it to me, I guess I should send you mine. And uh, we've been 11-step buddies now for quite a while, and it's really very, very beneficial. I recommend that, too. And I'm going to tell you a little more about that later. So now I'm on to what it's like now. So I'm thin, and uh, I don't compulsively overeat anymore. And um, I tell people that, I don't know if you're familiar with the song Dayenu. It's a Passover song about God's miraculous intervention. And with every good thing God did for us, we say Dayenu because it would have been enough. If he'd only done the one thing, it would have been good enough. And so I say that if only if the only thing that ever happened to me from working this program was that I got thin and I don't compulsively overeat anymore, Dayenu, it would have been enough. But I'm telling you, that's just the beginning. It blows my mind uh, how much more uh, has come my way, the miracles that have come my way since uh, recovery. So um, I, uh, I don't know if this is appropriate in terms of terminology, but I came up with this idea in my head that I own my own space or the equivalent of I'm comfortable in my own skin, not completely because believe me, I'm nervous. Uh, I get nervous and I'm, I was nervous this morning, but it seems to be working out. Somehow I own my own space now. I don't feel like I'm taking up someone else's space, you know, uh, that I'm meant to be here and I have a right to be here and I'm good enough, I guess is what it comes down to. And I'm one of God's children and, um, he loves me. Yeah. So um, the other thing is that I don't get on the scale anymore. It's been over a year that I agreed with my sponsor not to weigh myself. And I used to weigh myself, well, in the old days, uh, at least once a day. And then um, once I went to that first retreat, someone recommended once a week. So I started weighing myself once a week or once a month, I think she said. And I did that. So now I don't weigh myself at all except when I go to the doctor. And um, I've lost about 65 pounds. I weighed maybe 180, 185 at the top. 
and uh, I went down to 115 when I used to weigh myself. And at the doctor the other day, I was 125. So um, it is what it is. And and whatever it is, it's up to God. You know, I just follow my food plan and do my exercises and uh, trust that it's a healthy weight. And um, I don't wake up with dread or remorse anymore. I wake up to God and to all of you and um, I have nothing to feel bad about anymore because I'm not killing myself with food anymore and um, dressing and grooming are quick and easy now. Um, I get to relax and take it easy with that. I can go days without a shower or washing my hair and I'm still presentable enough somehow whereas it used to be an ongoing problem you know just keeping myself clean and presentable um i'm able-bodied i exercise i have um, a number of walking buddies and um there's beautiful beautiful places to walk near where i live and um really enjoy doing that and um one of the best gifts that God's given me is that my husband turned out to be a prince. He is um, the most wonderful man. He's kind. He's loving. He's accepting. He's um, talk about beyond my wildest dreams. I, I never in a million years would have thought that I could have had such a good marriage. And um, I do, and he does too. We both have so much appreciation and love for each other. And we get along so great. And I have so much acceptance of what he is and isn't willing to do. And I don't try to control him anymore like I used to. Um, He used to say that I'd light the fuse and wait for him to blow. And I couldn't see it, but now I can and I don't do it anymore. Um, I'm calmer. I'm more reassured with people, including my children, my family, my friends, my employees, everybody. Um, I have a host of new friends, just like the promises in the big book say. And um, let's see. Good. I'm not overdoing it with time. I was concerned about that. I, as I was saying before, I call these what I used to maybe would have thought were coincidences. Now I call God incidences. So I have to give you some examples of um, what my life is like beyond my wildest dreams. Um, my husband and I were going to New York City for a weekend. And on the way there, I said, oh, I didn't call my OA friend who lives in New York City. And he said, well, don't call her because we're going to be on such a tight schedule. You're not going to have time to see her. And I said, well, what if I run into her? Would you believe I ran into her? I mean, in New York City. That's huge. For me, anyway. Um, And it was so great to see her. It was so fantastic. Even though I only had like a couple of seconds, at least we got to hug and see each other. It was so great. Um, Okay, so I have this business. And um, my employee of 22 or more years uh, had lowered her hours to three days a week. So I was working more on my own. And uh, then she got this terrible headache and she stopped working altogether. And I was all by myself uh, working a lot. 
and um, my mom suggested I call an old employee that it was my mother's business before me from the 60s. And I called her, and she and her sister pieced together their spare time to help me out while my employee was out sick. Um, so uh, the sister, uh, the, the former employee told me that her sister would like me to hire her. And I didn't feel I could do that because I didn't want to throw my original employee who was out sick under the bus. And she then called and retired. So I hired the sister, and she turned out to be a gem. I mean, she's such a hard worker. She's so talented. She's so, you know, I thought I had a good before. Well, I knew nothing about having a good. This person just blows my doors off. She's so good at what she does. And um, and then a year later, when our daughter went to Italy for a semester abroad, um, we we went. To Italy to visit her and um, the new employee wasn't all that comfortable with being alone uh, for 10 days and asked if I would hire her daughter to help her out and her daughter was fresh out of jail and believe me I had some resistance but I agreed and don't you know her daughter turned out to be a diamond in the rough and I wound up hiring her full-time too and um the two of them basically run my business for me, and I come and go as I please now. Um, and that's beyond my wildest dreams. Even going to Italy was beyond my wildest dreams. I never thought I would ever go to Europe, never. It was just not on my radar screen, and we had a fabulous time. And all the while, I want to point out abstinence the whole time, whole time, whole time in Italy, whole time, everything I'm telling you about. Um so, um, so I figure that the new employees were a gift from God to free me up so that I could carry the message and um, be of service, maximum service to others. And I'm sponsoring like there's no tomorrow, right? And then my mother, who lives in Florida, and I'm up in Connecticut, um, has a brain tumor grow back. She's had it removed 10 years prior, and it's got to come out again. So um, a year ago, she had this brain surgery, and she um, didn't bounce back like she did 10 years ago. And uh, things didn't just go easily. And it turned out that not only did God free me up from my business so that I could help others, other compulsive overeaters, but now it's seems that he freed me up so that I could help my mother and my father. And so I wind up in Florida staying with them for, I think it was about altogether maybe eight weeks. I went on three different visits and one of them was like five or six weeks straight. And um, I happened to be there for my father's 90th birthday. I was supposed to be at an OA convention that weekend But uh, God wanted me there with my dad for his 90th birthday and saw to it, I believe, anyway. And uh, I was very helpful to him. And he wanted to have a party and he wanted to do the food himself and everything himself. And um, it was good that I was there to help him. 
and um, and it was very nice to be there. I've made amends with my father, and uh, being there was just further amends to him and to my, both my parents, you know, that I could do for them. It was really a blessed experience. And um, my aunt came to visit while I was while I was there to for, to support me just for a weekend and to see her sister who had basically lost her mind after this surgery. And um, she witnessed, she bore witness to what I was doing and she couldn't believe it. I was going on about four hours of sleep at night. I was just their nurse, their uh, chef, their housekeeper, their business person, everything. I was doing everything with God's help and the support of my sponsor and the support of all of you and the support of my 10-step buddy and everything. It, it was just so, if I had been in the food, I I couldn't have done any of this, I don't believe. Um, God was doing for me what I could never do for myself. And um, I was invited to take a class for adults with parents with dementia while I was there. And, I, and it was free and... Um, I met other people in the same boat. It was kind of a support group thing. And a consultant spoke there who we wound up hiring to help us get my parents' uh, benefits to help cover the cost of aid. And um, she also advised me, here's what I, I need to do. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to get an aid in here. I need to order a bed from 1-800-MATTRESS. And ultimately, I need to go home. And she just told me what to do, and I did it. And I did get to go home a few days later. And uh, the aid that we hired for my parents turned out to be heaven sent, an absolute angel. So during all that time at my parents, um, I learned all about their affairs. I became their power of attorney. I My name got put on all their bank accounts. Um, I got all their files in order. I copied everything that I would need at home and packed it in a backpack and paid to transport it on the plane like an extra piece of luggage. And so um, things are going along okay. There are some glitches. My sisters aren't happy with me. Um, my uh, parents are balking at having the aid, but things are kind of going along smoothly, somewhat smoothly and getting better. And um, and uh, in the meantime, my 22-year-old daughter is about to go into the Peace Corps and wants to visit my parents before she leaves for over two years. So we schedule a visit, and uh, there's a snowstorm, and our flight gets canceled. We go the next day. So we're there for three nights and four days. And my father is completely against my daughter going into the Peace Corps. And um, she's bracing herself for a very uncomfortable visit. So the first night he lets in and I tell him how she's going to be an ambassador and it's an honor to be, you know, the State Department selected her and all this. And then the second night... um, Here's where the 11-step buddy story comes back in. So this 11-step buddy is a snowbird, and so she doesn't live in Florida in the 
summer, and I've never met her, but it turns out she lives in my parents' backyard in the winter. Of all the people on A Vision for You to call me and ask me to be an 11-step buddy, she lives in my parents' backyard. And so I've never met her, even though I know she has a home there because I've always been there when she's away. But this visit with my daughter, she's in town, and she comes to visit, and I invite her up, and uh, we get to meet face-to-face finally, and uh, she hears that my daughter's going to the Peace Corps, and she's from New York, and she has a New York accent, and she's got the lipstick on, and she really looks like someone who's in the know, and she says to my father, oh, that's a wonderful program. You should be so proud. And um, the next night, our last night there, we're out to dinner, and my father says, I've changed my mind. I think this is a wonderful idea. And all of a sudden, he does this turnaround, and he's happy for my daughter that she's going into the Peace Corps. And it's the most beautiful experience that when we go to leave, we leave on such warm, loving terms, and there's no resentment between the two of them or anger. And that night, the day that we left, my father uh, fell off the kitchen chair, and the paramedics had to come. He had some sort of cardiac event, and uh, he died uh, shortly after that, uh, about a, um, a couple of weeks later, I guess it was. Um And before he died, you know, um, he and my daughter uh, had this special time together. And I consider that, again, beyond my wildest dreams. Um, So um, I kind of jumped the gun with telling you he died. He was in decline. And um, he was in and out of the hospital in a rehab center. And um, I wanted to go back for him. And my husband begged me to wait until our daughter got on the plane to go to Paraguay. So the day she left for Paraguay, I went back to Florida, and now he's in hospice. And um, everything's already done. I know how to catch a flight. I know how to rent a car. I know how to get to my parents. I know how to use my GPS. I know where the grocery store is. I know where the hospital is. My name's on all their accounts. Um, I already have power of attorney. Um, I don't have to lift a finger at this crucial time in my family's life. I can just be there for my mother and be there for my father without any distractions or complications. And that is, again, by the grace of God, living a life beyond my wildest dreams. Uh, so uh, my father hangs in there for um, seven days while I'm there. Uh, a total of 10, he went to hospice a few days before I could get there. And um, I happened to be visiting him by myself uh, the day he dies. And the, the whole time his eyes are closed. Um, and I'm trying not to disturb him because the first day I got there, I was like, I'm here, daddy, I'm here. And I wake him up and he gets all agitated, you know, so I learned quickly not to agitate him. But that last day, his eyes were open and I was able to communicate with him and uh, touch him and um, tell him, you know, 
it's time for him to go and be with his brothers. And, um, and that night he passes away. And the next day I've already got a walk planned with my 11 step buddy and we stick to that plan. And my 11 step buddy who knows me better than probably anyone in the world at this point, um, is there for me the morning that I get the call that he's passed and we're able to talk about deaths and um, it's not just for my benefit, it's for hers too because she's planning what she's going to do when she dies someday and um, it's just a beautiful thing that I was not alone uh, because my mother, um, I was with my mother but she isn't, still wasn't quite in her right mind and to this day still isn't but she is coming along so um, so that uh, that's my big story my biggest story about God showing up in my life now I'm a person who never really had much time or interest in God if I didn't make that clear before and uh, now I'm um, a believer let's put it that way and um and so uh, things have gotten much better with uh, my mom, and um, she's doing okay, and I'm going to visit the end of this month, and she came and visited me in April, and um, uh, things are going good with that. And uh, and so now I'm in this uh, big book workshop that meets once a week on the phone, and a fellow in the program asked me to do it with her, and um, my sponsor had done it. And I knew it was a good idea, but I was resisting getting involved, didn't think I had the time or the willingness. I reluctantly agreed, and the person who cajoled me into doing it backed out. So now I'm in this big book workshop that um, is this big commitment for a year, and uh, I'm loving it. And I'm so glad I'm there, and once again, God doing for me what I could never do for myself. Um, and uh, and in the process of working on a resentment in that workshop and wanting to be as clean as I possibly could before I spoke to all of you this morning, by the grace of God, uh, the deepest resentment of my life has been lifted. Uh, I can't say for sure if it's permanent or temporary, but one day at a time, uh, resentment is gone. And I also cleaned up uh, an amends before, um, actually on my anniversary on Monday, I cleaned up an amends that I've been meaning to take care of for some time, and that feels very freeing. And um, uh, what else can I tell you? Uh, I'm living a happy, joyous, and free life, that's for sure, as you may have gathered. So... um, I want to read a couple of things before I close, and I can't believe that I'm not overstepping my time boundary. This is just awesome, Uh, and hopefully I haven't bored all of you. Uh, Okay, so on page 25 in Chapter 2, there is a solution. I'd like to read you an excerpt, and it goes, We have found much of heaven, and we have been rocketed, into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not ever dreamed. The great fact is just this and nothing less, that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences 
which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and toward God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could never do by ourselves. Okay, so that's it in a nutshell. As I see it, I am living a life beyond my wildest dreams. And um, in closing, I'm going to end with uh, something from the uh, the last part of the forward of, from the fourth edition on page XXIV. In any meeting, anywhere, AAs share experience strength, and hope with each other in order to stay sober and help other alcoholics, modem to modem or face to face, and I'm going to add telephone to telephone, AA speaks the language of the heart in all its power and simplicity. And by doing this work, I get to stay sober one more day as I hopefully help my fellow compulsive overeaters. And I thank a vision for you and all of you who have given that to me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Rebecca, for sharing your beautiful and touching and inspirational story of transformation with all of us this morning. Truly a message of hope and possibility is the result of these 12 steps of recovery. Thank you very much for telling your story with us this morning. And Rebecca's contact information is going to be available at the conclusion of this recording, so please stay tuned for that. And we're going to transition into a question and answer period now. If you have questions for Rebecca, please press star 1 to unmute and identify your name. Good morning, Liz. It's time now to ask a question. Please, yes, your name. Mary Lee in California. Mary Lee, one moment. Let's see if anybody else has a question as well. Anyone else? Star one to unmute. Jump in, the water is warm. Hi, Leah, this is Judy S. Judy S. And anyone else? Good morning. This is Nancy O. from Ohio. May I ask a question? And Nancy O. Okay, so we're going to go Mary Lee and Judy F. And then, yes, Nancy O. Okay, Mary Lee, go ahead, please. Oh, good morning. Thank you, Rebecca. Um, I would like you to expand on your 11th step um, and what happens with you and your 11th step, buddy. Thank you. Okay. Am I still unmuted, Leah? Correct. Okay. Thank you. Hi, Mary Lee. Okay. So um, my 11-step buddy and I fill out a form online. You know, we found something. It's morphed over time as we've found prayers that we add to it and tried different formats. But if you Google 11-step nightly review, 
um, you'll find a lot of different templates and you can pick one that suits you that covers the questions in, um, in the big book, um, whether you uh, had any worry. I'm, I don't have it in front of me, but from what I can remember, you'd think I'd have it memorized, but I probably don't. Um, whether I um, have been um, um, selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, afraid, whether I've had any uh, worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, um, did I fit myself to be of maximum service to others? Um, uh, is there anything that I need to say to someone that I haven't said? Um, there's a list of questions, and we answer them every night. And um, I tend to be somewhat wordy. I, feel, I always feel bad that my 11-step study has more to read than I do. Uh, when she sends me hers, but I also, to be perfectly honest, don't do it religiously every single night, um, but I try to do it as much as I can. Um, I, try, I often fight to stay awake to get it done because it feels so good when I do it, um, partly because I'm checking in and making sure that I've covered my bases according to the big book, but also just to be heard, to have someone else know about my day. Um, just feels very uh, comforting to me, and um, if you if you look, you'll find that. And then we we also talk once a week. We try to speak once a week on the phone on a certain day of the week. We make a point of getting a hold of each other, and uh, somehow you know it's it has to do with accountability. One of the questions is, um, uh, did I overeat? Uh, or did I pick up extra food or something like that? And by the grace of God, I always get to say no. Um, so far anyway, one day at a time. And, um, yeah, that's about the best I can do to answer that question, unless you want more specifics, Mary Lee. Thanks, Rebecca. I, I just sure. was a little confused in between test steps. It just sounds more like okay, so both. I mean, okay, so the tenth step, as I understand it, is whenever we're restless, irritable, and discontent, we do a tenth step, whether it's just, you know, a quick thing where we check in with God or where we do uh, an inventory of steps four through nine and um, really take it to task. Um, <clears throat> But I find that by doing this 11-step inventory every night, I don't really have to do very many 10 steps because on a <coughs> nightly basis, I'm um, kind of clearing. I'm having this clearing with my 10-step buddy. And um, they kind of go hand in hand or, I don't know, maybe it's sort of an either-or sort of thing. But for me, the 11-step... Um, feels like it keeps me on the straight and narrow, so I have less uh, need to do the 10th step. <laughs> thank, thank you, Mary Lee, for the question. And Judy F., your turn. Judy F., star one to unmute, please. Judy S. Pardon me. Hi, sorry about that. 
Judy S. from Upstate New York. Yes. Um, thank you, Rebecca, for your story. And um, I am struggling with perfectionism. Um, you know, I I do. I'm absent. I'm. Uh, I've worked through the steps. I'm not recovered yet. Um, I've been in relapse for three years. Um, and I'm about a week abstinent again. And um, so I, I, I'd like to know if you could just share a little bit about not having to do the program perfectly and that it's a, I, I know, you know, self-knowledge avails me nothing, but I do know that it's a process and it's a gradual process and some of us, you know, move along more quickly than others. Um, but I just wanted to hear you share on that a little bit. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. I think it's S's and Sam. Yes. Okay. Um, so uh, this may seem controversial, but this is my experience and my understanding. For myself, this is what's worked for me, is that my abstinence, does have to be perfect. I hate to say it. People don't want to hear it. But um, it gives me such peace of mind to know that there is no wiggle room when it comes to my abstinence. Um, I don't eat anything that's on my binge list. And I weigh and measure my food. And I eat three meals a day. And I follow a food plan. And I do it every day. And I've been doing it for four years. And um, it eliminates all the should I, shouldn't I, could I, couldn't I, will I, won't I, crazy-making chatter that would otherwise be going on in my head. And I see it happening in others who think that they're working a good program, and I can't speak for them, but um, I don't have that crazy-making anymore about my food. I am an addict and I can't eat anything that is basically the equivalent of heroin to a drug addict. So um, I went to a wedding last night and I pulled out my trusty pocketbook scale, which I think is just the greatest little invention, and I flipped it under my plate. And the filet mignon weighed eight ounces, and I cut it in half, and I ate half of it. And I, oh, I had to ask the staff uh, for special treatment that nothing be on my meat or vegetable. And uh, I had extra food packed in the cooler in the car, and they could not provide me with an abstinent second vegetable and I went out to the car and I brought it back to my plate and poured it on my plate. So I'm willing to do my food. I hate to say it. I don't mean to be arrogant, but perfectly. Now, anything above and beyond that does not have to be perfect. I do not work a perfect program. I don't do my 11th step inventory every single night. And I don't always do my 20 minutes of meditation every single morning. And I, you know, don't always say the right thing to a sponsee or whatever. But when it comes to the food, 
entire abstinence is required. It's written in the doctor's opinion, and that was that W-A-T-E-R moment when, you know, the teacher is teaching Helen Keller under the flowing water. That That's what I, I'm getting shivers right now because I'm, I'm reliving the experience of accepting that my abstinence has to be perfect. And it is. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. It just, that's what it is. So if you're talking about abstinence, try it one day at a time. Just try it, you know, instead of resisting it. If it's the rest of the steps, you're right. None of us can do it perfectly. We aim, we try to perfect our spiritual life, but we'll never be perfect at it. And that is good enough. But willy-nilly on the food is not good enough, for me anyway. And if you find a sponsor who does willy-nilly with the food and you want what they have, then do what they do. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, Judy S., for the question. Nancy O., your turn. Good morning, Rebecca and everybody. Um, Thank you so much for your share. And I think you've kind of touched on my question. We recently had an emergency that went for months in the family. And my question to you is how do you, and I think you touched on it some with your 11 step, how do you balance sponsorship and recovery phone calls? And, of course, service can go to anybody along with our family. But how do you balance that? And I know you've touched on it quite a bit already. Thank you, and I'll mute. Thank you, Nancy O. Um, So when I was in Florida dealing with my family, my sponsees understood that I was less available than I am when I'm home. But I still uh, took calls, and I still made time because – I had to take care of myself too. And um, I was away from home and I had to stay sober every day. So if I didn't continue to carry this message and work the steps, uh, even in the midst of an emergency, um, you know how they say you have to put the light, the air mask on yourself, the face mask on yourself first before you can help the kid next to you. Um, It's like that. So, um, and in terms of how I do it, you'd have to ask God because I'm telling you, it's not me. God does for me what I could never do for or by myself. It's God, it's God, it's God who keeps giving me the ability to do the next right thing, even when I'm inclined to resist. I, I really can't explain it other than that this program works and that the promises are real. And uh, at least for me, I, I hope everyone else has the benefit of the same experience I have. And I would imagine they do considering the first 100 people wrote it in the book and they all had it and it's just been growing exponentially since then. Uh, I can't be the only one besides the first 100 who is having this experience. And I hear it on the line all the time. So um, we just have to put our trust and faith and reliance and dependence on God 
and he slash she slash it, whatever you want to call your higher power, steps up to the plate and does what we can't do. That's all I got. Thanks, Nancy O, for the question. Who else has a question this morning for Rebecca S? Kathy K in Boston. Hi, Kathy. Anyone else? Great opportunity to ask about the process of the 12 steps, the result of the 12 steps. All right, Kathy Kay, your turn. Thanks, Leia. This is Anne L. from Washington State. And then Anne. Okay, one moment, Anne. Go ahead, Kathy Kay. Thanks, Leia, for your service. And Rebecca, um, it was so good to hear you today. Thank you for telling your story. Uh, I got so much hope from it and truly an inspiration in, in all the examples you gave of how God did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. So, you know, I was struck by what you said about the doctor's opinion and that watershed moment of realizing uh, what it meant to be abstinent um, and how you move forward from there. I'm wondering, as someone who didn't have such a... um, an event in my own life, my relationship with my higher power has been gradual um, and requires a lot of effort on my part. I'm wondering if you could say a little more about what you did from the very beginning to grow that relationship and that faith. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, Kathy Kay. Um, I'm trying to think about that. Okay, so my sponsor told me to start meditating for five minutes every morning, and I did what she said, and then gradually, over time, increased it to 20, and um, I say uh, the third step prayer and the seventh step prayer, and now I say the set-aside prayer, too, uh, every morning as soon as I wake up. And um, every night before I fall asleep, when I get into bed, I say those three prayers, at least. Um, When it comes to this deep resentment that I've been grappling with, I was saying the resentment prayer every day for a long time. And um, let's see... um, you know, by working with others, the um, text keeps getting um, reinforced in my mind. You know, I think I'm doing somebody a favor, but really, they're, it's like getting a bedtime story read to me. You know, when my sponsees are um, reading me uh, their reflections and how they identify with what they're reading in the big book, it's just such a gift that they're doing all the work and I'm getting all the benefit, you know? So I keep hearing uh, the text over and over and over again from my sponsees. And um, I think that that 
uh, keeps me connected. And then I'm on the line, um, try to be six days a week, whether it's live or the recording. Um, so I'm hearing the big book more and more and uh, all of you and everybody has such beautiful ways of expanding or expounding on these paragraphs, which I personally am not that good at and uh, feel very awkward when I have to read and share on a paragraph. I, I can't really squeeze all that much out of it like all of you do, but um, I love hearing it. So um, I think all of those things and just, you know, working with my sponsor and really um, accepting the next opportunity in spite of my resistance when it comes to working with this program, you know, starting a new meeting when am I someone who's willing to commit to showing up every single Thursday from six to seven and bringing the materials and hanging the signs? Yeah, I am. You know, I didn't think I could do it. And once in a while I go on vacation or I can't make it and I have to get someone else to take care of it for me. But I just keep, you know, showing up. Um, now I'm the treasurer of intergroup and my local intergroup, and I didn't want to be the treasurer. You know, I don't know how to be a treasurer. I don't even do a good job with my own bookkeeping. But somehow I just said yes, and and I'm doing it, and that puts my butt in the chair, you know. All these things put my butt in the chair. And... um all of it, it's a spiritual program. Just by being in this program, I'm constantly reminded. How can you not be reminded that God's running the show when people are feeding it to me two hours every morning, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I don't think I really go to any great lengths. It just, I just keep showing up and so does God. And, and to, not to mention, he keeps, Presenting himself to me, I use, I would say to my sponsor, yeah, I guess I believe in God, but how do I know? I've never had my feet put to the fire. I, I'm not in a terrible situation where I really have to trust and rely and depend on God. And then this whole thing happens with my mother and then with my father. And I'm like, ooh, I finally had my turn to have my feet put to the fire. And God showed up in a big way for me. Um and so it's just obvious evidence. I there's just no denying. I can't I can't look away and pretend that it wasn't God, you know. So it just kind of happens as we do what we're told. <laughs> and I'll pass with that. Thank you, Kathy Kay, for your question. And L your turn. Oh thank you. Thank you, Leah, Leah, and thank you for your service. And uh, uh, I'm Ann L. from Washington State, and um, I just I was so riveted, Rebecca, with the quality of gentleness and softness and spiritual understanding that came through you today. And um, every... I love the way you you wove your personal stories in with your program, and I love the way you expressed how you grew in the beginning and how you're growing now and how that keeps continuing. 
And uh, what really resonated the strongest for me was when you told your story, you wove your story, you talked about program. Every every there was a voice inside of me that said, "That's right, that's right, that's exactly right, that's just exactly what happens." Yep, that's the way it is. So I just heard honesty and experience and spiritual grounding come through you in a way that that I really appreciated and uh and it helped me actually as you were talking it helped me kind of you know do a little check on where I was at in my own program in my own recovery and it helped me understand that I've done a lot of growing in this program too and it reconfirmed for me how grateful how deeply grateful I am for everything that this program's given me. So I just wanted to thank you more than anything else today for your great share, and I am going to take your number down, and I am going to call you, but I'm on my way to Alaska, so it might take a few weeks before I get back to you. But thank you very, very much. That was a very deep and meaningful share that you did today, and I pass. Well, thank you, Ann L. Um, I know there wasn't a question there, but... Um, I was hunting for a question there, and so I want to respond as if there were a question, (laughs) and that is to just say that um, if it could happen to me, it could happen to you. I swear there's nothing special about me. I'm just another bozo on the bus, and maybe Anne is saying that too. And but as um, as um, elementary as this may sound, I can't stress enough. You have to be willing to put the food down. Okay, no ands, ifs, or buts. And if you want this, try it. Just try it. Put the friggin' food down and see what happens. And with that, I'll pass again. Thank you, Rebecca. I will put the food down. I am putting the food oh. down. <laughs> I wasn't speaking to you. Thank you very much. I can never hear that enough. I can never hear that enough. Thank you, Anne L. Anyone with a question before we wrap up this morning? Alice. Alice. Anyone else? This is Knessa K. from Ohio. Knessa? Yes. All right. Anyone else? This is the last call for questions. Going once. Twice. Sheila H. New York. And there's Sheila. And three times. Anybody else? Okay, let's start with Alice M., please. Thank you, Rebecca. Um, this is Alice M., a compulsive reader and believer from Florida. And I just love getting to know uh, you more from what you shared. 
Oh, my, something you said really intrigued me, really caught my interest. Um, um, and I might need to talk to you offline about this too, but it was when you, you were talking about your marriage and that, um, you know, you love your husband, your husband loves you, you had an ideal magical marriage. And um, i trying to think of how, what my question is in this, um, because that is not my experience right now. Um, I, I, too, am married to a man in recovery. Um, but um, I, when I married him, he was seven, seven years sober. I was not. I was very active in my disease, and that continued through the marriage pretty much. And four years ago, I, I suffered a terrible relapse, and everything fell apart, and I was very, very active. Um, and now, um, over that course of the past four years, I've, worked a pretty strong recovery program, um, not abstinent all that time, but I am been working the steps diligently and I really take my recovery seriously. I really work hard and, um, he, um, 26 years sober now and, um, wears, you know, he's a, the thing with, you know, wearing, wearing recovery, like a loose garment when I just can't, uh, I'm just not there. And this causes, um, rifts, big rifts. Um, we judge each other's recovery or program. Um, with a teenage daughter, we there's a lot of um, a lot of disagreement, and it shakes my program. It rattles me. Um, it's dangerous for me. So I want to know. My question, I guess, would be um, any experience you have with um, both being in recovery and where is it where you respect each other's recovery and you know restraint of pen and tongue and walk away and where is it when um you um oh god i don't know what the question is um just how to navigate when you're both in recovery both working programs very differently um under the same umbrella but working them very differently how do you reach that point of respect and acceptance of the others when um, when and I just frankly will have to say I guess I judge um, the I judge the program he works and I don't want to um, but it's a it's a big issue right now for me and my recovery so if, if you could shed any light on that your experience around that thanks well thank you Allison you you are one of the people who's been instrumental in my recovery so I just want to acknowledge you for that. Um, <clears throat> So um, my husband doesn't work a program. He joined AA, he got sober, and he stopped going. And I, I don't know if, you could, if he would say he ever worked. I would say he would say he never actually worked the steps, but he maybe made a little bit of attempt at some of them. <clears throat> and uh, so he's not in the rooms. He's not working the program. Um, but he's sober. He's been sober for 20 years, and I wouldn't call him a dry drunk. Um, I think, you know, that's one of the puzzles in life that um, some people can get sober and move on, and uh, maybe I could too. I don't know, but I want everything that this program has to offer me, not just sobriety. So I continue, you know, even, I have no idea whether I would go back into the food if I stopped coming to OA but uh, or working the steps, but I am not willing to take a chance. 
And um, I, even if someone told me that I could stop working the program and I would never pick up again, I still wouldn't, would stick with the program because I want the rest. I want the happy, joys, and free. I want the fellowship and the, um, the camaraderie and the um, good orderly direction and the relationship with God and all those things and all of you. So, um, so I work my program according to what I've been taught and according to what works for my sponsor because I want to continue to have what she has. And I don't concern myself with what my husband does with his um, program or lack thereof. Um, he's a fine specimen, I'm telling you. He's just a, a great individual, and um, and I just have the utmost respect and love for him, even though he doesn't always think the way I think and he doesn't always do what I would like him to do, let's say. You know, he's entitled to his own thoughts and his own feelings and his own everything, you know. And, um, and he doesn't um, judge my program, um, he gives me the freedom, you know, without giving me a hard time to be on the phone with sponsees and to go to meetings and to be busy working my, uh, you know, staying up late and filling out my 11-step uh, evening review. Um, you know, I can eat what I need to eat, and if he doesn't want to eat what I'm having, he doesn't have a problem making his own food. Um, we're just too individuals who love each other and um, sometimes we are connecting and sometimes we're on our own wavelengths and um, we do have children and sometimes we have differences of opinion but um, it just seems to work it just you know we just have so much respect and gratitude and he claims that he gets the program by osmosis through me that he's benefiting from the work that I do in the program and um, he sees um, how much our lives are better since I'm um, sober too so um, he I'm just lucky I guess that he doesn't judge me or that he's not a jerk or whatever I, I can't explain it it just works and I I hope that you are blessed with a similar experience or your own version of a similar experience but I can't really explain it other than um, I try to keep my nose clean you know really clean and um, and he is a very tolerant patient uh, steadfast individual very conscientious person I, I lucked out I guess I don't know what your husband's like but um, mine is a gem he's just a wonderful man and uh, my problem was I couldn't see it before you know I just saw the plank in his eye you know and um, I don't anymore I, I noticed the speck in my own now thank you Alice for the question Thank you. Knessa, your turn. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for the time. Um, I've really enjoyed your lead this morning, and so many things that you said really resonated with me. Um, I am not yet in recovery, actively working the steps, and um, just recently abstinent, trying to get there, and um, I want what you have. And 
one of the things that you mentioned uh, that I've just recently started is your, your daily spiritual practices. And you mentioned that you said three, three um, morning prayers. Can you repeat what those were again, please? Sure. Um, the third step prayer, the seventh step prayer, and the set-aside prayer. And um, the set-aside prayer is not in the big book, but the third and the seventh step prayers are. And uh, you can Google all of them. And or did you, you say you, your own. Yeah. <laughs> did you say you have, you said something about a resentment prayer as well? Oh, yes, yes. The resentment prayer is also in the big book. And, um, you know, I probably could quote you pages. I think it's 67 is the resentment prayer. Let's see here. Um no, that's the fear. Yeah, resentment prayer. Okay, help me out. <laughs> okay. Um, Page 67, the top. It is 67. Perfect. That's what I said at the top. Thank you. And and, uh, and then there's the, Go ahead. And do you have nightly prayers that you say as well? Say that again. Do you have nightly prayers that you say as well? Oh, I just say them again. I say them all over again the same. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. And and I just want to add the fear prayer. That's what my sponsor told me right off the hop. She said, even though you're not there yet, whenever you have a resentment, say the resentment prayer on 67. And whenever you have a fear, say the fear prayer on 68. And I suppose if you have any sex conduct issues, and you're not there yet, you can go to page 69 and say the sex prayer, the sex meditation, and on page 70 are the earnest prayers. So if you want to jump ahead and read from 67 to 70, you'll get an arsenal of prayers that will help you until you actually get to those pages in your work that you could start using right away. And um, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks, Knessa. And Sheila, you have the final question for the morning. Thanks. Good morning. This is Sheila H. from New York, recovering at a date of time. Rebecca, thank you so much um, for sharing your transformation with us. I just heard so much grace um, as you shared your story. Um, it made it sound so smooth, even keel. I'm sure a lot of peaks and valleys, but um, then you're blessed with that. Actually, someone asked my question um, already about juggling um, programs to different programs in a home. You know, that's not always easy when someone's on a different path than you. Um, I, too, uh, week two, has decided to hang in there and, and, and uh, forge with our relationship. But I guess, you know, someone already answered it. How do you juggle? And I think I heard you say accepting him for the way he is, and which has been the kind of the cornerstone for my turn, my shift in accepting people, places, and things for who they are, not how I want them to be. Um, yeah, I just at this point, just to say thank you for your share, because someone asked that question, so I won't ask it again about juggling two programs in a home and where people are in their recovery and that answer comes to me a lot of times when I say things out loud, keep the focus on yourself. Um, but thank you so much for your share this morning. I just had a lot of identification with um, 
parents and caring for parents and just guardian angels being there when you need them. So, Rebecca, thank you so much. And I pass. Oh, thank you, Sheila H. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, all I can say about that is what could be better than um, two people in the home who are sober? You know, I mean, my God, you know, and perhaps recovered as well, but at least sober, you know, instead of totally wreaking havoc. Um, it's it's such a gift, you know, considering from whence we came, my husband and myself, you know, um, pretty bottom of the barrel, you know, in our diseases. And uh, who would have thought? that a couple of scuzz buckets like us would turn out so to be fine upstanding members of society. It's really awesome. And and I can tell you last night, um, we danced our butts off at this wedding and um, we just had a good time, you know, and everybody was drinking and eating and we were just, you know, enjoying the band, really good music, really gorgeous weather, and I had on a jamming dress. <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> so, <laughs> with that, <laughs> I think we're done, Leah. <laughs> Rebecca, thanks again for your time this morning sharing your story of transformation. Very inspirational for us to hear. Thank you very much. The results of the program of recovery came to life this morning. And I'm going to close from page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.